handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan, and it is June 26th in the year of our Lord, 2022, at 9.20 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Just finished breakfast, haven't walked cookie yet. I said, hold that piss, I got a podcast. And uh, tremendous episode lined up for you today. So good, so many things I wanted to talk about that I... I made a note card. I did the thing I rarely do. You know, they call me the Jay-Z of unrepresented, unsuccessful comedians with my capacity for freestyling and remembering things. Um, but this time I thought, you know what? I'm not going to be a cool waiter who pretends to remember everything and then fucks up the order. This is too important. So I made a cheat sheet. Just a peek behind the curtain. Okay, folks? That's the... That's that's the, the the revelatory material you get when you listen to this miserable and sometimes manic, depressively hilarious podcast. But <clears throat> I don't know if you can tell from my voice, not feeling too great. Okay, now we're gonna start, and the episode is already called Peak JL Jinx. I want to take you back one day. Okay, I get a message. My my nephew. For his birthday, one of the two things uh, I got him, I said, we're going to go to Sparks Steakhouse on May, which is quite expensive. And then, um, unfortunately, with the rise of cases, uh, that's been nixed for the foreseeable future um, by his parents, his cautious parents. And But eventually I will take him to a steakhouse and hopefully a mobster will get shot out front while we're there to get the, the authentic Sparks Steakhouse experience. And... Two tickets to Paradise. No, two tickets to um, a Yankee game to see the Astros. I said, pick out a game that works for you. I'll tell you if it works for me, and then I'll get tickets. So I got two tickets to the Astros. And uh, basically, I think, fuck the Red Sox. Right now, the Astros are the Yankees' biggest rival, it seems. Uh, They are a very tough piece of shit team and very talented. And so I said, okay, June 20th, pick June 25th. Let's, Let's do this. So June 25th. Uh, I picked out seats on the lower level that I th- I could not tell if there was shade because I was like, late June, always a chance it could be a scorcher. So I'd like shade. I don't need, I go for a walk for a half hour. I look like, um, you know, I look like an Italian who just went on a, a sunny vacation. Okay, I tan very well, which um, in some sort of weird melanin affirmative action, white people give me such great credit for, for tanning well. And I'm always like, I'm supposed to be tan. It's these fucking offices that make me pale. I am a proud person of half color. Okay? A P-O-H-C. A (laughs) pach. I'm supposed to be tan. Like, I go for a walk for a half hour and people are like, where'd you go? And I'm like, nowhere. Where I belong. Where I belong. 
okay, in the sun, with brown skin, a, a, a proud beige man of half color. <laughs> so it's 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 when I'm not allowed to be out in the sun, where I'm just in artificial light, doing coding for a law firm and and reading emails on large cases. That's that suppresses my natural my natural state. So I don't need to be out in the sun at Yankee Stadium burning up uh, or getting like a red neck and forearms uh, for, you know, so I want the shade. And if it's really hot, I want the shade. So I got my aisle seats. So I get a text the morning of yesterday. My nephew has uh, asymptomatic but but tested positive for the, uh, the COVID virus. Just kidding, the COVID virus. And he can't go, obviously. And he was very bummed. He was walking around in his Aaron Judge shirt in his house. And uh, I said, okay. So I call my friend uh, John. Text. Text my friend John and say, you want to go to the Yankee game? Haven't seen him in a while. He just got back from a vacation. He goes, yeah, let's do it. So I'm like, cool. So we uh, we get to the game. And, of course, this is just the jail jinx is just starting, folks. But naturally, you know, I didn't give it to my – I tested negative, like – whatever, 11 days ago after, after having full blown Tom Hanks in Philadelphia COVID, um, I tested negative twice. So I've still lingering. Like every day I was getting better every day. I'm hustling every day. I was getting better and I never felt a hundred percent, but I felt like 95%. Like my breathing was like, I wasn't consciously aware of like my breathing being a little worse. So I was like pretty much like, Oh, I'm ready to go, like go back and start doing some cardio at the gym. Um, and, you know, a little bit of a cough, a little bit, but, but it almost felt like out, al- like my sneezing was almost like allergies now. So I thought maybe it is allergies. Maybe it's not a cold anymore or lingering COVID, but I tested negative twice after, ha- you know, testing positive when I was full blown, uh, uh, COVID and, but of course the jail jinx doesn't just, doesn't just affect me. It affects the ones I love. And, you know, so my nephew clear all spring, beginning of summer, and then day of COVID. So there's the first part. So we get to the game, we get into the stadium, we take our seats. Um, first of all, rude people. I'm, I'm just amazed. I got like skull fucked by the people walking behind me multiple times. Um, like I'm sitting in my chair. It's I don't have like a head from one of the fucking creatures. Like I don't have a head like alien from aliens where it's like it goes back nine feet i have a normal head in fact for for a man my size my head is like you know not actor large you know i'm like like i have the i have the same head size as like a five foot six hollywood actor okay so it's normal on my body but it's not a nor i, I don't have a, like a huge dome and i sit normally i don't lean back i don't lay back in the cut when i'm sitting in my fucking yankee stadium bucket seat and yet everybody just bu- because the people behind me won't get up the woman the, the woman behind me a black woman okay and normally i trust black women but not this one bare feet put your sandals or flip-flops or sneakers on lady every time i look over there's like a bare foot a, a beautiful black foot but a bare foot like swinging right near my armrest and i'm like god what is with people and bare feet and that that's such i'm sorry to stereotype i thought that was white people shit Okay, not not black women in their late fifties. I didn't know you. Would, would would you work in an office with with too many Ambers and 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 Karens? What the fuck? But they won't move. They don't, like every time somebody needs to move, like walk out of our the seat. I'm the aisle seat for legroom. I have to get up and move. But it's okay. That's the price. The price I pay for the legroom and being able to stretch into the aisle is that when people want to go to the bathroom or buy a treat, uh. Th- I have to get up. I don't begrudge. I don't get mad. I'm like, that's the, but, but nobody else does that. So these, these people behind me, nobody gets up from their seat. They just kind of like shimmy their legs. So then it's a, it's a, it takes a village to be a piece of shit. And so the people not moving fully force the other people to skull fuck me as they shimmy through. And then they don't say, sorry. They don't say, I'm sorry that my, my pussy lips or my balls just bashed you. And I'm talking hard, not like grazing. 
grazing would be it's like you felt that you felt that your hip and genitals like blasted me in the fucking back of my head nobody says sorry nobody says excuse me wonderful when i was online for some ben and jerry's which only took an inning and a half um i'm one of those people i don't know i i ever since maybe it's because i'm big and people go if we can just move that one big guy there will be cre- it will create a huge space like a rudy gobert a screen assist people want me to move out of the way so i create a space when i'm online but people just go shimmying right past they just, and, and let me tell you 50 people walked past me roughly and close you know like getting into my personal space i get it i'm i'm, I'm letting you have space one person said sorry one person said, and he looked kind of MAGA, but you know what? I respect the manners, for Christ's sakes. He said, excuse me. He had like a fucking beard with no mustache, white guy, and he was like, excuse me. And I'm like, oh, God, you're here from fucking opioids, Ohio, for a Yankee game, aren't you? Um, and and one uh, 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 a black dude bumped into me, but then turned around. I don't know if he worked at the stadium or if he... But he like turned around and was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, oh, it's okay. And I think that was somebody who looked at me and was like, oh, fuck, this guy's a cop. Um, that I was getting that, I don't like you, but I have to be respectful apology that you'd give to somebody with a buzz cut who looks like they beat up people of color on and get overtime. <laughs> so <clears throat> the rudeness was abounding. But the shade, we were in the shade. The big win was we sat down and it was fucking hot. But the shade is like nature's air conditioning. It was legitimately like 15 degrees cooler with a slight breeze in the shade. So we were, we were loving life. And the Yankees uh, and, and, and Houston, knew, nobody had a hit, I believe, for the first five innings. It was like a combined no-hitter for five innings, both teams. And then uh, the Astros put together a couple of runs and ended up winning 3 nothing, And no-hit the Yankees. The first time I believe the Yankees have been no-hit since 2003 when... The Astros did it to them again. And it was a combined no-hitter. And my friend John referred to it as a gangbang no-hitter. And I thought that was funny. And I said, can I work off of that? And I started saying, you know, a combined no-hitter, like if you're the starting pitcher, the starting pitcher for the Astros went seven innings, struck out 13, gave up no hits, and they took them out. And we were joking, going, like like the my add-on to his idea of that being a gangbang. I said, yeah, it is like a gangbang. It's like... You know, it's like you and two other dudes fucking your wife. It's like, yeah, you enjoyed it, but but it just didn't feel as good when you when you saw the other two guys finishing as well. You were like, eh, I feel like if I had just done this myself, it would have been really good and really fulfilling. I mean, I'm still glad. I you know, I I, I had a great time with my wife. I, I really fucked the shit out of her for seven innings. But then, you know, then we brought in that 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 dude from Puerto Rico and that white guy from Texas and, and you know, they finished in her too. And, you know, everybody was happy. Our whole team was fucking cheering. But and I was happy too. I got the win. Like, you know, it was it still counts, but but I was just like I kinda wish those two guys hadn't team first team first and you know my wife was happy like this is what she wanted you know this is we we went to the counseling and and she said you know like she was she didn't want to be kink shamed and you know uh raul and 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 matt like you know certainly seemed to please her and they they kept up their end of the bargain like at the end of the at the end of the session um you know no hits and 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 three loads but but uh I just I think I I think I was going good enough. Like I I mean, thirteen strikeouts and no hits. Like you know, I my wife is not always satisfied like that. But she was she was I know my wife and she fucking loved it. She loved what was happening. Um, you know, I I'll admit I've never been that good before. So maybe it was the pressure of knowing that that Raul and Matt were like waiting in the wings, like you know, getting fluffed and sort of like watching us do our thing but i was i was bringing it i was bringing it and then and then you know my wife just was like you know you've had a good run you know we won't want to tire you out it's it's let's let's go to the bullpen um and 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 just let let raul and matt get get a get a shot in uh, as well um you promised you you promised like you're on a pitch count okay i said once you get over 110 pitches like great job but it's you know i need fresh fresh meat and, um, you know, I, I, please don't kink shame me that I went to the bullpen to have two other guys, you know, finish, finish me off. 
Thank you, everybody. That is called that is called no hitter cuck style. Okay, so that was fun. But we also don't think that was the only misogyny and objectification that was going on in in, in our conversations. Ah, oh, there was a woman. There was a, a mom, by the way, a mom. Okay, so we're gonna show due deference because I came up with a term. My my section of the stadium was full, and it's weird because I'm like. I'm 43, and a long time ago, I might have thought like a 60-year-old woman that's like, that's so old. But now I'm like, eh, if you keep, if you keep yourself together, you know, the 60-year-old the, 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 the today is the, was the hot 40-year-old when I was 23, you know? So, so, so it's, it's nice. It's, I find myself skewing older when I look. Like, in other words, college is too young. Like, I'm not one of those guys like, I'm more of a... Give me 29 to 60, okay? Which is always tough. I have a joke where I say I actually identify as extra heterosexual. Um, so, you know, if I cheat or, or have to step out, it's, it's, that's me living my truth, okay? No, I don't. I don't, guys. But I'm just saying as a joke, it's like, yeah, I identify, I'm extra, I'm hyper hetero, okay? That's actually, that's how I identify. Like on Facebook, when it asks for my orientation, I say hyper hetero. And it just means that, you know, it's, it's, if you have a type, if you have just one type, that's great. But if you, if you find, you know, like 70% of the female population uh, attractive and fuckable, that's, that's tough. That's tough because you're actually doing your, if, if a guy is, if Leonardo DiCaprio is just like, yeah, I have a thing for Victoria's Secrets models. It's like, okay. So as long as you're not around a, a, a surgically enhanced gym trained 10 then you're going like Leonardo DiCaprio is going to see like your 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 girlfriend who's hot in the office and be like oh nice yeah no we can be friends cuz I'm totally not attracted to her she's she's a 9 and that that actually makes my that that makes my dick do what freezing weather does like like you might as well have dunked Leonardo DiCaprio in a in a in a in a a, fro a tub of frozen uh, of like ice water okay when he sees a 9 um, whereas me, it's like, yeah, five, a 4.5 to a 10, I'm all in at ages 28 to 64. That's a tough, that's a burden. That's my cross to bear. And so I, there were a lot of attractive, like late fifties, early sixties women. Just, I don't know. And I, I, I leaned over to my friend and I said, I'm going to call these women Mattingly's. So what do you mean? And I said, that's, that's women who probably fucked Don Mattingly, like were groupies in the mid, in the late eighties and early nineties for the Yankees. And I was like, yeah, they were, that, that she was like a hot 24 year old. Now she's a, she's a well put together 57 year old. And so I was calling several of the women Mattingly's and my friend got a kick out of that. And then I just started doing different generations. And then we saw Navy tank top, um, who she was a mom. So you got to respect, respect that she was with her man. You know, they had a boy and a girl like, like, like boy looked like he was like 13 girl looked like she was like 16 husband, presumably husband looked like he was like late fifties. And a dude who was into like, he had that sinewy look of like, I do cycling and swimming. I do like, you know, I do Ironman triathlons. Like I retired from finance with my hot wife, but she was hot in a way that was just like, you're regular, but you're hot. And she walked up and down the aisle a couple of times and just, just, you know, thin toned, you know, looking, looking, uh, you wouldn't have guessed she'd had two kids and just huge cannons. And, uh, I said, you know what that one, I, my guess was that she was like 49 and that the man was like 57 and he like retired from finance. I just do that. Like, you know, when I'm, when baseball is a, a long, boring game, the game took three hours and 16 minutes, three runs were scored the, by combined by both teams, a game where nothing happens should not take over three hours. But anyway, uh, I referred to her as I said, she's a multi-generational talent. Like in other words, she, she is a Jeter, a Jeter to judge. You know, so if she's for like she was she showed up when Jeter was a rookie and would have been the talk of the town after at the after party. But also she could have fucked with like Aaron Judge his rookie year. 
So that's, I thought that's a, she's not a Mattingly. She's a multi-generational Hall of Famer. She's a Jeter to judge. But that's the kind of stuff you talk about at a baseball game when you're a, you know, just a uh, adjacent, a piece of shit adjacent person like I am. And, uh, you know, there's nothing happening during the baseball game, but you're still enjoying the shade. So a lot of Mattingly's, um, one generational talent. And then, uh, I feel like the Yankee fan, I see a lot of women also at Yankee fans where it's like, I'm like, you're like 23. And like, I feel like this is too misogynistic. I know, but you know what? Bear with me where I just go, the young women who show up to Yankee games, I'm talking like early twenties. I'm like, you look good now, but there's a real, I think a friend once told, called it EP explosion potential where you're like, you're teetering, you're, you're, you're taking for granted your youth. You know, sure, you're a you're a thick goddess right now, but there's a lot of just, eh, you know, one one mild case of depression, and you look like you could throw on forty pounds, young lady. So just you know, just make sure you're keeping up with the gym. Um, I know thickness is in right now, but like at twenty, you know, I'm just concerned that that you know, like an NBA draft pick, where it's like you know, well, he's he's big and dominant, but we're a little concerned that like if he doesn't keep his weight in check, like Eddie Curry type shit. Anyway. Uh, a lot of sports analgies today. I'm sorry. Um, but then the Yankees got no hit, as I said. And I was like, the JL jinx. Now, at least the, the blessing is my nephew. At least he didn't go to see the Yankees on the wrong end of historic performance. So I feel like that might have given him some comfort. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. And, um... Then we left and we went our separate ways on separate train lines. And I went down to the D train and which is, which is, you know, where I was hoping to take Navy tank top, but I respect the sanctity of marriage and her, her role as a mom. Um, and I saw, I saw something that I was just, it's one of those things where, Two things happen actually on the train. I will say two stories. One I forgot to tell you. The beginning when I got to the when I took the I took the two train up from from Penn Station because I knew I was going to be there early. So I said I'll walk from 149th Street. I used to go when I was at the DA's office. My my then girlfriend. We used to go to a restaurant uh, on 149th Street once in a while for a long lunch. And by the way, my my track record at the DA's office. I'm not going to tell you everything that went on um, personally, but. Uh, I think I still hold the record for most movies seen at the movie theater during lunchtime. Uh, I would just sneak out and skip the previews and just be like, I'm going to take a one hour and 55 minute lunch today and see a movie. It was very daring and uh, sorry taxpayers of New York City. But um, so I'm leaving the exit at 149th Street and just going to walk up the Grand Concourse. And it was nice. It was a nice like trip down memory lane. And... Uh, some uh like a light-skinned hispanic guy it holds the door open like he he like a woman's trying to look for her metro card and he just pops open the emergency exit so she can go on the train for free and she was hesitant and he said he just he just i'm gonna not say the exact words but he said what come on come on you afraid of the police man f them n-words I was like, oh, I'm back in the Bronx. Light-skinned Latin guys throwing around the N-word. Oh, it feels good to be home. And he just kept walking off going, I ain't scared of the police. F them N-word, B-words. Well, I can say bitches, but, you know. Uh, or bitch, I'm sorry. F- I'm, I'm fucking up the order. F them bitch-ass N-words. And he just kept mumbling to himself. I think trying to convince himself that he wasn't intimidated by the cops. But obviously, if there had been cops there, like there were no cops there, <laughs> I don't think he'd be saying it if they were actually there or opening the gate for this woman. Um, and then there was just a black guy, young black guy leaning against the wall going, "Couldn't not me. I'm not getting a ticket. And I was like, there it is. There it is. Um there's your there's your your black versus brown reactions light hispanic guy thrown around the n-word just daring cops to arrest him for fair beating and then the black guy going Mm-mm, not for me thank you so that was the trip in but the trip out when i got to the d train um and my timing was perfect there was a five o'clock bus back to bloomfield 
and the game ended at 4.18. So we were on the field level, of course, hashtag comedy mogul, and we exited, and then there was a D train waiting, but it was a local. And I was like, if this shit goes local, even if it leaves now, I don't think it's going to get because I would have to walk two long avenues to get to Port Authority. And as I'm entering, but I'm, I'm, before I see that there's a train waiting right there, I just said hustle up. It's always a good rule of thumb to just hustle when you're in a hurry. And I just saw this, uh, you know, white family coming from the Yankee game, just fair beating. Like, and I just thought to myself, this is, this is America right here. If this was, first of all, if this was a black family or just a pair of black teens doing it, oh, there would have been police action for sure. But, but, but I just kept thinking to myself, I'm like, what lesson is this? Like 60 year old dad with your 18 year old son, you just probably spent 500 bucks. Cause it was like, and then there was a mom and a sister. You probably just spent over $500 on your Yankee adventure. And you obviously have money on your Metro card, but your son in front of you is, is jumping the turnstile as you swipe a Metro card. And I was just like, God, I wish I would like, I'm sorry. God, I would have loved to have seen some police brutality. <gasps> Cause it's, it's not just, it's not the fair beating itself. It's the, you piece of shit, privileged people of means. What are you doing? Like you, you need to get over that bad that like your you don't want your son paying the two seventy five, and they made multiple efforts. Like first he was trying to do the trick where you sort of like butt fuck the person in front of you and like roll through one turnstile turn, and then that didn't work. So then the son just jumped the turnstile after the dad went through, and I was like, I don't, I, I just, it, it could, I could, I could never fathom that. It's just weird. It was a weird thing to see because I was like, you, you, you had to, you're, you're teaching your, you've obviously taught your son to be a piece of shit. Like if he's doing that with, with his dad and his mom and sister, then obviously he's gonna fucking do it when he's with friends. But I was just like, Ugh, gross. But then I was over it because I was on the D train and I said, okay, at 145th, I can transfer to the A, which is an express, which will get me in plenty of time to Port Authority if I catch an A right away. Well, all the jail jinx washed away from the game and my nephew because then I walked up the stairs from the D train and an A train downtown was pulling in. You cannot get better timing than this. Hopped right on the A train, voop. Made it to Port Authority to the bus to my bus with like eight minutes to spare. It was a it was it was beautiful. It was I was more clutch than the Yankees that day. And then the uh, before I get to the other topics, the epilogue is that this morning I woke up with a stuffy nose, feeling very fatigued, and I said, "Let's take a rapid test. Let's just see." I I mean, what are the odds that I had COVID three weeks ago, tested negative uh, twice a week and a half ago, and then could have gotten COVID again after hanging out with my nephew. Like, I've got to have Joe Rogan natural immunity. I've got vaccines, and I just had it. Rapid test came up positive. Not afraid of being a test case for a new strain of COVID. So as of this morning, it could be a false positive, but the problem is I do feel a little sick and run down. So it's not... I would feel less nervous if it was a... um like asymptomatic test that I just took. And I was like, ah, the, P the rapid test is probably wrong because a PCR test will t probably show me as positive regardless for, for several weeks to go because I was legitimately COVID positive. But I don't know if that's happened to anybody or if that's even medically possible, but it would, wouldn't it make sense that I would be an exceptional case but only in the negative. Like, like I'm no longer the exceptional case of like, yeah, people were spitting COVID in his mouth and he never got it. Like, why can't I be that guy? Why can't I be the Wolverine of COVID where it's like, yeah, no, people, people injected COVID in his ass, uh, through his urethra, up his nostrils and in his mouth. And he simply expelled it and has not tested positive. No, I couldn't be that guy. Instead, I'm the guy who's like, yeah, he got COVID and um, didn't even have a fucking hour of natural immunity. He just got it again. 
So, oops, I did it again. Caught for hooking COVID. My name is COVID. Dan, 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 dan. Great song, Britney Spears. I know you listen to the podcast, so I just wanted to give you a little tribute to Oops, I Did It Again. Um, anywho, so that's been my Yankee game, the JL Jinx, some casual misogyny at the uh, Yankee game. Shout out Mattingly's, shout out Navy Tank. Um, and, so, and, and shout out to the piece of shit white family. The family that fair beats together probably goes to January 6th together. That's all I'm saying. Um, guys, before we move on to more pressing matters and more fun stuff, I got a lot of things to review this week um, and a lot of Supreme Court to discuss. But are you a member of the Patreon? Chances are you're not. But uh, some great stuff on the Patreon. I posted the art show early. That's that's gonna people will be able to see that eventually. But the early access is on the Patreon. Uh, new episode of Mike Pence Gaming, um, where Mike Pence plays video games. The new episode is Mortal Kombat. That will be up this week. I filmed it um, Friday. Had to work the law job till midnight on Friday. Uh, that was not fun. That's what the law job is. I'll have like five days of doing nothing, and then they'll be like, we need this done ASAP. And I'm like, this is the worst of both worlds, because I'm not even meeting my billable hours requirement, but I am crushing like two days of work. It's like, you had no work for four days, and then 19 hours of work over the 36, the last 36 hours. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird existence. At least the associates who get paid, you know, triple my salary. Their life is the law. Like, in other words, if I was an associate at this firm, I could not do comedy because my life, I would be paid commensurate with making my life legal work. But at least you also just go, yeah, every day I'm billing 10 to 11 hours. Like, there's always work to be done. I'm billing a shit ton. And then I get like an $80,000 bonus at the end of the year. And it, was it worth it to be miserable? No. But at least when I look at my check, I go, well, you know, I am earning what I should be earning. Whereas my job is like, hey, Monday through Wednesday it was pretty fucking easy. Oh, my God, Thursday and Friday was hell. And then you don't even go, okay. It's like, but you only billed 33 hours this week instead of like the 45 to 50 that we want. I'm like... But I did, I was miserable for half the week. Like if you could space that out, if you could somehow space that work out over the course of five days, we'd all be happier, both with my output and with my lifestyle. But instead it's like work till midnight on Friday and then watch Bill Maher at midnight instead of 10 p.m. like a civilized HBO Max subscriber. But the Patreon is, is fun. It's good stuff. I just say that, I reiterate that, and if you're a fan of mine, patreon.com slash jlcovan, it's um, JL Max Plus Prime. I picked up a couple new subscribers, so that's thank you for that. But, um, you know, if you like my comedy, you like my podcast, you like my videos, like uh, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. It's cheap, and it's a good, sorry, I gotta say this word, content, but it is. Um, also, uh, Boston. We're under three weeks till my big shows in Boston City Winery, July 15th, 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Please get your tickets. Tell, tell friends in Boston. And I just got booked uh, for a show in Morristown, New Jersey at the Mayo Performing Arts Center where I'll be seeing Richard Marks in November. Well, guess what? I'm going to be there a couple of months early. I, I, I got booked onto a show uh, there. It's a beautiful theater. Um, so yeah, when I have the ticket link, I'll put it up on my website, but mark your calendar. If you're one of my Jersey fans, everybody goes, I, I don't know. People say, when are you doing a show in Jersey? What they really mean is when are you doing a show like three blocks from my house in Jersey, but Morristown's a beautiful town, Roots Steakhouse. I may eat at Roots Steakhouse before. I enjoy that steakhouse very much in Morristown. Um, it's, it's a MAGA town, a MAGA town. Um, but I gotta admit it's a fucking beautiful place. Um, and or it's at least a republican leaning town but i think it's i think it's somewhat maga um but uh that's august 19th which i think is a what day is that it's a friday okay that's good so it's a friday in morristown so you should you should if you're a jersey fan maybe mark your calendar and when there's a ticket link i will provide it um and the only other thing to promote before we move on is uh, oh yeah making podcast great again my other podcast which is just fucking crushing it um 
it's never too late to start listening and enjoying that. That's more of the character impressions driven podcast, the bulk of it being Trump, but I do guest episodes as, as, as different people. It's a, it's a fun time. Uh, so if you're not listening to that or if you've gone away from it, it's really going strong right now. Um, so that's it. That's, that's the shameless promotion. Patreon, Boston, Morristown, making podcasts great again. Simple, easy peasy. Um, no, no updates on the special other than, um, you know, just, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, let's put it this way. I just told you I got COVID for a second time in three and a half weeks and I'm upbeat. So let's not drag it down by talking about, um, half blackface and, and comedy in general. How about that? See that? Look at that, guys. That's called growth. Um, not the, that's we call that Navy tank top at a Yankee stadium growth. Uh, but uh, let's talk about the Supreme Court briefly, and then I have a bunch of reviews for you, which I think you'll want to hear. Um, I understand the frustration. Um, you know, I'm I'm in that I'm I'm in that Joe Biden camp. For, for various reasons of the don't don't hard for me to be just like some sort of enthusiastic cheerleader for abortion. I'm sorry. It just is. But hear me out. Should be legal. That's my, you know, like I can't imagine no matter how personally you feel an issue or faith based you feel an issue. It, it feels very tough to compel such a profound um, emotional, mental and physical journey on another person, um, and to have it imposed on them. Um, so it's, that's, it's a simple, it's, 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 it's a simple, it's a simple case for me as far as law goes personally and morally. That's, that's an individual decision. That's a family decision. That's a, that's a, it's a personal decision and, and that's where it gets much more complicated, but you know what? Nobody, nobody on the left is telling people not to have their own personal journey. They're just saying, don't make your personal journey, whether it be moral or faith-based or, or, or whatever, don't impose your personal moral journey on society at large for something so uh, profound and, and, and life-changing and physically draining, and et cetera. So I understand, I mean, it's, it's, but it's one of those things, and I still, I, I have sort of a deep resentment for people, including friends, who, who you know, rarely get into politics, but, 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 but broke that political shield for masks and COVID. Like that's the one time they, they waded into political hot button issues was masks. Like that was, that was their, that was their time to go, you know, normally I don't discuss this, but freedom, liberty, masks, vaccines, I got to say something. And the same people are very, very silent on guns and abortion. Um, and that's, I think that's very telling. Um, it's literally, it's about me. It's about abortion doesn't affect me. So therefore I don't need to speak on it or wade into that issue. But masks annoy me. And that's when I'll get, so it's almost, this is the American way, just like gas prices. And I think I spoke about that in my blog, my last blog. Uh, please read it if you haven't, because it really gets into the idea of like people thinking that, you know, I think there's a there's an idea that in this country, constitutional rights really just means whatever is convenient for me. So like you'll you'll get more mad about gas being temporarily expensive because apparently unlimited, never-ending, cheap gas is a birthright of Americans, no matter what ecological damage it does, no matter what moral damage there is from enabling petro dictators. It's it, that's it's, but the right to abortion for women is, uh, yeah, no, that's, that sucks. I didn't think we'd get there, but anyway, I'm going to watch this football game now, if that's okay. That's the stuff that so many Americans, it, it's, it's all personal. It's all selfish for so many people in this country, no matter how small the issue, if it's personal, it's a big deal. And no matter how gravely huge the issue, if it's not personal for many people, it can be moved on from. And it's very sad what it, what it says about our, our country and, and, and where we're headed as a people, the gun case, 
I'm I'm for fucking getting rid of the Second Amendment, and you know I think it's just been a horribly abused and and intentionally misinterpreted amendment over the last two decades. But I know that's not going to happen, so I'm realistic. But but I have to admit, I wasn't totally unconvinced by some of the arguments in the gun case, like the idea that like there is that idea of if it is an a a right it's a constitutional right some of the arguments made sense to me i don't like that it's a constitutional right but some of the arguments because that is the law of the land that it's been interpreted that way some of the arguments for these may issue rules are are compelling i'm not saying i sign on to them but i see the intellectual reasoning to a certain extent for saying well if it's a constitutional right you can have restrictions, you can have place restrictions, you can have requirements to obtain, uh, you know, but but sort of the whim of an administrator is maybe too much. I, I get that. I get that to a certain extent. Like, I'm not going to lie and be like, it's, I, I don't, it's disgusting. That said, I still disagree with it, but I see that there is more of an intellectual justification to a certain extent, but then they are, they lean into their traditions and it's like, and I think somebody, it might've been professor Eric Siegel friend, uh, friend and off frequent guest of Pete Dominic. Um, it may have been him who tweeted it, or it may have been somebody else, which was basically like, what about the tradition of like over a hundred years of gun control laws? <laughs> Why is that not a tradition deeply rooted in our country? That's, that's, that's 40% of our country's history has believed in, some sort of like may issue restrictions. Why is that not a tradition? You only changed the second amendment interpretation 14 years ago. There is a tradition like eight times as long in this country of restricting access to these weapons for various reasons. But so I see both sides. Would I vote to uphold the New York law? Yes. But am I like 100% there's no argument intellectually or otherwise to to strike down these laws? Um, no, I, th- I, see, I, would, I see arguments that are based in some good reasoning on the other side. But that said, it's, it's like a, it's, it's, this, is, this is the nightmare scenario that the Supreme Court, they are going, they are doing the worst. The same way the Trump presidency was like it could be bad it could be a little populist like there may be some benefits to Trump but the truth is Trump campaigned and talked like a populist but governed like the most ruthless ruthless racist conservative economic like like he governed like all the bad things of the Republican party to the max bigotry income inequality etc um, because that's he didn't give a shit. He's he's rich enough and famous enough to be insulated from all the problems that he's causing for so many people and caused for so many people. And the Supreme Court, I think, is kind of doing their worst. There there is no half measure anymore. That they see no reason to 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 conduct any half measures or compromises the way John Roberts wants. They're they're the Alito court now. Um, like like cruel, disdainful super conservative that's that's you know like like i said before alito is like scalia but without friends <laughs> um and then the the wor- arguably one the worst case or one of the worst cases that prayer though prayer is protected so um you know the 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 court is protecting prayer so uh when a shooter you know when somebody has a gun or you're pregnant just pray for something and you know me, guys, if you listen to this show, I don't mock prayer. I mock it as the only solution that the Supreme Court is availing to people. Um, that I do mock when the only thing left to you is uh, is prayer. That's uh, all we need is prayer. Um, by the way, cool thing. Uh, the Beatles started a real trend with Get Back, the documentary series on uh, on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's been a steep drop though, because now I've seen like Machine Gun Kelly and and uh, XX Tentacion have documentaries on Hulu, and I was like, is that that was a that was a rapid decline? That was almost a JL to lip sync level decline in the culture. Hey, the Beatles have a documentary. Let's give other great artists 
in-depth documentaries like XXX Tentacion and Machine Gun Kelly? Is there nobody in between Machine Gun Kelly and the Beatles that could have gotten a quality documentary? We had to go 473 steps down the ladder immediately? Anywho, climate change case is going to be very bad this week. My guess is that that's not going to be the place where the court goes, we've got to give the left a bone. No, they're going to, they're going to fuck the future of the planet. And, and they're going to like it. Um, so West Virginia versus EPA comes down this week. And then that should, that's, that is, that's the Supreme Court. They are, they're going to neuter the executive branch um, to delegate things. They're going to neuter Congress and the executive branch's ability to delegate, delegate like research and important tasks like regulations on the climate where they are experts and have the time and focus so that so that even that can't be done so that even rule issuing will become much more difficult so that truly nothing will be able to get done um and that insulates you know because the the country in national elections obviously republicans have lost five of the last six popular votes so because of that, um, is it five of six or is it, well, no, you had Clinton, Clinton, one Bush, two Obama, Clinton, Biden. So that's seven of the last eight Democrats have beaten the Republican in popular vote. Um, so this kind of ruling will will ensure that even as the population as a whole where the when when the electoral college can't keep minority rule in power will neuter agencies so that they are, they can no longer do things where the executive might be able to delegate certain things and issue rules and things like that so so this is the last step to neutering the majority that's why West Virginia versus EPA is so, so such a big case. So that's the legacy of the Supreme Court. And obviously Donald Trump was very constant. Mitch McConnell stopped Merrick Garland from getting on the court. And uh, Donald Trump, uh, you know, rammed through three judges who are helping to uh, change the country and potentially the course of the planet for the absolute worst. And I forget who said the Constitution is not a suicide pact. That is like a famous quote from somebody. <laughs> Maybe it's me. I don't know. No, it's not me for sure. But somebody wrote, I forget if it was, you know, either a First Amendment case or a terrorism case, but, but the Constitution, it's an old, it's an old quote, like founding fathers level quote or an old justice. I, I just can't remember who said it. But the, the Constitution is not a suicide pact. Well, this Supreme Court kind of seems to disagree. I'm looking this up. If you hear typing, it's because I'm typing. <laughs> Is not a suicide pact. A lot of typos here. Let's have the Constitution is not a suicide pact. Um, it is most attributed to Abraham Lincoln. Oh, this is it. The precise phrase was used. I knew it. Justice Jackson. Sorry, Justice Jackson. Ooh, it is your quote. Uh, Justice. Jackson, in a dissenting opinion, in Terminiello versus Chicago, a 1949 free speech free speech case. So, and Justice Arthur Goldberg used it in 1963. So, the Constitution is not a suicide pact, most often attributed to Lincoln, but specifically phrased by Justice Robert R. Jackson in a dissent case. So, it's one of those things where you go, the Constitution is not a suicide pact, but this this Supreme Court seems to think, eh, maybe it is. <laughs> maybe maybe we should hold decisions that destroy the planet and women um, and lead to more gun violence. Maybe, maybe the Constitution, maybe we are supposed to die under the Constitution. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe the Founding Fathers, what they really wanted was more pain and death. So thank you. Faux originalists. Um, popular tweet I put out yesterday said that Clarence Thomas loves originalism so much, Ginny Thomas's nickname for him is three-fifths. I think some people thought I was making a dick reference, um, which I wasn't because like, um, 
I mean, three fifths, three fifths of, of, of what? Three fifths of an inch? Like I don't, I, I'm, I don't like Clarence Thomas, but I don't think he has a three fifths of an inch penis. <laughs> you know, call me a man of integrity, but I won't, I won't say to you know. Now maybe he talked a little bit too much about his dick and pubic hair to Anita Hill. Um, did he doth protest too much? But I just don't think a, you know. A, a burly baritone black man um, has a, a three fifths of an inch penis. I think that would be. I don't think. I. I don't know. Does anybody have a three fifths of an inch penis? <laughs> um, but I think most people understood the joke was just about him. You know, uh, demeaning, being demeaned, and treated like sixty percent of a person, like the three fifths clause in the Constitution, that perfect sacred document that said blacks were three fifths of a person. Thank you, Founding Fathers, in your perfect wisdom. Not afraid of sarcastically praising the Founding Fathers. I think Ron Reagan Jr. would shit on the Founding Fathers for sure. He shit on his own father in a four-part documentary series on Showtime, which I recommend everybody watch because then you'll understand my Ron Reagan impression. You just have to see his atheist commercials and the Reagan documentary, and it will all become clear to you. But man, uh, I don't know anybody who's ever roasted their parents as much as as Ron Reagan just roasted his parents. Um, not afraid of shitting on the graves of my parents for a showtime check. Uh, so I think that's it. That's your Supreme Court roundup. But it's 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 bad and it's getting worse, folks. Um, and the one thing I will say is I understand frustration. I'm not demeaning people's frustration, but at least I've been liking tweets. The tweets that point out that Cinnamon, Mancha, Murkowski, and Collins have the power to change some of these things. If they really believe they were lied to by Supreme Court justices in their confirmation hearings, which they were, and if they also believe that this is a fundamental life and death right, even more so than the right to vote. If they truly believe that Roe should be codified, then they have the power to make an exception to the filibuster. They're the ones. They can make an exception, a carve-out exception for this one thing, and do it. But they won't, because for some reason, the filibuster is like the most sacred thing. It's not even in the Constitution, and yet, like cheap gas... Cheap gasoline and the filibuster have become more sacred than the right to life, the right to bodily autonomy. That's a, that's a weird thing. It's almost like if we redid the Constitution. Gas shall not, Amendment 1, gas shall not be priced over $2.50 a gallon. Right number 2, die for the filibuster, motherfuckers. There's your first two Bill of Rights in the new Constitution. The Constitution put forth by the dumbest piece of shit generation of Americans ever. Us. So, and by us, I mean you guys. Not me. I'm a righteous warrior. Anyway, reviews. Let's do some reviews. First off, show sponsored by the, the, guy, the Black Guy Who Tips. It's not sponsored by the Black Guy Who Tips, but as I've spoken repeatedly, you know, the two comedic personality slash podcasters who kept my career afloat when it was truly dead and not just on life support like it is now, were Pete Dominic of Stand Up with Pete Dominic and Rod and his wife Karen of The Black Guy Who Tips. Their fan bases uh, now constitute a, a good chunk of my fan base, and they gave me a platform and an opportunity to reach new people and to, to share my news and my humor. So uh, I feel obligated to do this. Rod was saying on Twitter that um, there was somebody posted a tweet that said, what's a show that you always recommend to people and nobody watches? And he said, Man Seeking Woman. The Man Seeking Woman, I think it had three seasons on FX. Um, and I'm one of those people who goes, yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But I finally was bored and I checked it out on Hulu. And I think I caught up before the third and final season. Like I was... I was watching in real time by the time there was a third season. This show was really, really good. It really was. It was really funny and creative. Um, weird enough for the weirdos, but not too weird to turn off mainstream motherfuckers like me. But it was really, really funny. And when I wrote my pilot, Staff Attorney, um, which I thought was very funny, and it was an office-based comedy, and uh, lo and behold, two months after I finished that pilot script, office work became extinct in March of... I finished the pilot in January 2020. In March of 2020, it went bye-bye. So I still have the pilot, but it's, uh, you know, it's a different world now. So once again, the JL Jinx, 
Uh, I finished a pilot. It's really funny. It's about office work. Oh, congratulations. Well, let's just hope six weeks from now, office work doesn't become a thing of the past. But what are the chances of that? <laughs> so, um, Man Seeking Woman, I told Rod I would share the news. And Man Seeking Woman, very funny, very original comedy. Uh, don't know. I, I, hard not to like it. But, it, but God, it was, it was a really good show. So there you go, Rod. Okay. Trust black podcasters. Hashtag. Um, but now for more modern reviews of things I've watched. First and foremost, I rejoined Paramount Plus. I, I signed up for Paramount Plus when it started because I just had that money to be like, I don't give a fuck. I'll do all the streaming platforms. I have it. I made it rain on those streaming platforms. And I basically watched like two things in my whole time on Paramount Plus. Well, now there are a couple things I want to watch on Paramount Plus. I want to watch the series about the making of The Godfather starring Miles Teller, who's really having his moment now. And uh, I mean, Whiplash is so great, but now he's got Top Gun. He's got that Netflix movie that I'm probably going to watch today with Chris Hemsworth. And, uh, and he's got this series, The Offer, on Paramount Plus. So I'm looking forward to that. But more importantly, Beavis and Butthead movie. New Beavis and Butthead movie. I really enjoyed it. I love Beavis and Butthead. Um, it was such, uh, it's so good to have them back. Um, but yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it. So the new Beavis and Butthead, was it Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe, I think was the name of it. I don't know. I don't, just like I don't learn characters' names in half the shows I watch, I just name the actor. The title of the Beavis and Butthead movie is irrelevant to me. I just really enjoyed it. Um, then... I watched the Warren Jeffs four-part documentary on Netflix. I didn't like it. And here's my thing. My brother, my brother, the Michael Corleone of my family, as I always say, I'm the, we have no Fredos in my family, but I'm the Santino, a.k.a. Sonny, the hot-tempered, the hot-tempered uh, brother, uh, the wartime boss. But my brother is the Michael Corleone of the family. And I remember a year, several years ago, he said, I don't watch a lot of these documentaries anymore. I go, why not? He goes, I don't know. It just feels like it's become too easy to make documentaries. So is the quality really there? Is it, are these really essential things or things with a point of view that I need to see? And watching The Warren Jeffs, it was the latest example of a documentary series that I watched. Now, I've seen some really good ones, but I've seen a lot of documentaries where people go, you got to watch this. And I go, eh, it was okay. The book was better, or I already knew that from, from reading. But a lot of these documentaries, there's no perspective. There's no point of view. It's just kind of like, Here's facts. Here's like we got some good footage and a couple of good interviews and he, it's just laid out. But I felt like I didn't learn that much from it. I forget what the other documentary I shit on like last year where I just felt like, oh, yeah, the Heaven's Gate documentary on HBO Max where I was like very interested. But then it raises questions, but you give me no answer. Like like there was nothing. It was just like so if I just read some like. I feel like if you're going to make a documentary, it's the problem is we have these high, high, high HD cameras. We have all these techniques and a bill and raw footage that you can make a documentary that has a lot of visually good, useful stuff. But but a lot of these have no narrative or no no. They're not uncovering something interesting beyond if you just haven't read stories. Now Heaven's Gate, I remember hearing about it. I was like, oh, I didn't realize all this. But by the end of it, I was like, well, was he gay? Were these people get, was it like, was this all a plot to like suppress his, he created this whole world where many people died and killed themselves because he was just suppressing his homosexuality? I was like, that would be a helpful thing to know. Like that would be a thing where I'm like, wow, they really uncovered a, a new narrative to this, but it, instead they just kind of suggest things and then you don't know. And it's like, I get it if there's no definitive answers, but then... I don't need to fucking watch your, your fucking thing. I could just read like an article in the New Yorker or something about this and be done with it and not spend four hours over two nights watching something that is anticlimactic. And I felt that way with the Warren Jeffs sweet, what is it? Stay sweet, pray and obey. I was interested in it, but by the end of it, I was like, oh, I'm not, I, I, I like stopped watching like the last 40 minutes of the last episode because I was just like, I, I don't care. It doesn't feel like they're giving me anything. So I would not recommend it. I feel like it's, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, I just, it, it didn't, it didn't do it. Like I just was, I, I have sympathy, of course, for the victims and, and whatnot, but it was just like, I didn't feel there was anything interesting about it. Like, you know, um, 
so so yeah, I don't I don't recommend it. But on the flip side, I watched a different documentary about somebody I normally didn't care about that I found very compelling and enjoyable until the wheels fall off the Tony Hawk documentary on HBO Max. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I felt like I learned. I felt like I got a, a glimpse into the, this world that I don't know of skateboarding. I got to understand why Tony Hawk is just sort of this Michael Jordan figure in the skating world. And I also felt like it dug deep into his life, his personal life and like his, you know, kind of obsession um, you know, I related not maybe to the same extent, but, you know, with comedy as like this, this crutch almost, except now, unlike skating, like, like, but, but you see, it's, it's, I highly recommend until the wheels fall off. So I know I just shit. I recommended man seeking woman as like sort of a, an oldie oldie. I mean, it's like you know five, six years old, but it's a really good show. I think most of you will enjoy that. I recommend the Beavis and Butthead movie. Okay. So I shit on the Warren Jeff stock, but I think I, validated that and highly recommend until the wheels fall off and and i say this as somebody who doesn't like skateboarding when i'm in a park and kids are skateboarding i get annoyed cookie is terrified of skateboards um so i have all the reasons not to support the skateboarding community but i really enjoyed the tony hawk documentary um i gained a respect for him as a as a an athlete and daredevil type person and also i think it was a, a legitimately worthwhile documentary like that's the contrast the warren jeffs thing i'm aware of who warren jeffs was like some some fundamentalist mormon cult leader who was like marrying teen brides and having teen brides get married and i'm aware of tony hawk a skating legend video game guy but the two products were vastly different in terms of what I felt I, I, I gained from them and my level of enjoyment. But this wouldn't be the Righteous Prick podcast if I didn't end by taking a humongous dump on one more piece of content. And that piece of content is Rise, which is the Giannis Anadokumbo, uh biopic on um, Disney+. Plus. Now, I blame the failing New York Times for this. When I saw their review of it, it had a critic's pick check mark next to it. And I said, oh, I wasn't going to watch this. It looks kind of stupid, but I'll watch it. Uh, you know, hey, critic's pick. Okay. And then I watched it. Um, it stinks. It made me wish that Giannis had never played basketball. I would give up. I would sacrifice Giannis's entire Hall of Fame trajectory, two-time MVP, NBA champion, charismatic good-looking man career just to not have seen this movie um it's nice i guess it's like a but it's like a kids movie the hoops action is whack as fuck um and after just watching hustle and i'm not comparing it to hustle as a movie because hustle is for adults this is like a family movie so i i understand they're two different things but Hustle, the basketball, was like pro basketball players. That obviously, Adam Sandler and LeBron James produced it and were very dedicated to making it not just that we used good basketball players, but that we show good basketball highlights. This movie didn't have that. It was just... It showed that, uh, it showed that um, the United States is not the only racist anti-immigrant country. So that I think that was valuable. It showed that, like, you know, if you're MAGA and you want to watch and you're willing to watch a bio, if you're if you're one of the three MAGA people willing to watch a biopic of a black person not named Ben Carson, you will go see that. Them other countries is racist against them black immigrants. So why are we being treated so badly? That's the liberal media. We're just in step with the rest of the world that just don't want dark-skinned immigrants invading their country. What's wrong with that? I love my country. I love my white skin. I love the blacks that agree with me. So it ain't racist. It ain't racist. It's about loving your country, safe borders, and the lady at the Trump rally in Illinois who said, thank you, Mr. Trump, for protecting white lives. She didn't mean to say white lives. And she, sure, she didn't correct herself when she said it. But in hindsight, she misspoke. So let it go. Don't be nasty fake news. 
But I just thought the movie stunk. Like, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry to support a white sports film, but the I reviewed on the Patreon another reason because it was a fun, fun episode. You know, I'm putting good stuff on the Patreon, but if you go to the Patreon, if you haven't listened to it or if you're going to join now, um, the American Underdog review episode. There's a lot of other stuff on the episode, but the American Underdog is one of the funniest movie reviews I've ever done. But it's also gushing with praise for a movie that's inspirational and sweet, but not cheesy. Um, I feel like Rise is the bad. Rise is what I feared American Underdog would be like a cheesy, not good sports movie that's just there to like be like, hey, if you if you like Christians and football, you might like this if you have no taste in movies. No, American Underdog was actually very good. Whereas Rise is like, do you like basketball and want to be an ally and support a black immigrant who's thriving in our country? Then you should support Rise because it's people are being seen, it's representation, it's our immigrant struggle, it's protecting and promoting uh, actors and stories of color. It sucks. Okay. B above all else, I want to support lots of different art and lots of different people and lots of different communities, but I can't do it if your art sucks. And Rise sucked a big Greek freak. Okay. Um, yeah, it stunk. So don't watch Rise. I'm sorry. I wanted to like it. Hey, remember me? I like Giannis. I like basketball. I like feel good movies when they're done well. I did not like this movie. It was like it was a struggle. And thank God I watched the Tony Hawk documentary ever after as a palate cleanser. And that's how I know the Tony Hawk doc is really good because it was my third and fourth hours of consecutive content consumption. And usually that back to back movie you're like, it was good. I was a little I was fading out. I was a little tired. No, so the Tony Hawk movie I liked a lot after sitting through a movie right before it. So there are your recommendations. Thank you for listening. Hashtag, since prayers are still legal, please pray for my COVID to go away and that I don't get it a third time. It might have been a false positive. That is possible. But it's weird because I feel symptoms again. Not as bad as the first time, but I've, as you can hear, I'm, I have a little sore throat. I've been coughing. My nose has been alternatingly stuffy and runny since last night. So, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's all good. Um, but yeah. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode as well. I'm going to put it up early on Sunday. Hashtag prayers are still allowed. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for listening. I hope you can get tickets to see me in, in Boston. Uh, or obviously, uh, if you are anywhere near Morristown, New Jersey, I hope you will make it to that show. Um, that will be fun. I, I like that town. And it's uh, it's nice to be able to get to a gig for uh, pu by public transportation. That's a real money saver. And please, if you haven't already, check out the Patreon. Um, it is, it's, I'm putting good stuff. I assume you're a fan. Um, I'm well below the numbers I thought. I thought I might get to like 200. I'm at 79, which is really disappointing, but it's never too late to join. It's cheap and it's, you know, I'm putting out like at least a piece of good content each week. Um, so you can catch up now what you've missed for the first two months. Um, but, you know, also, just thank you for listening to this show. I hope you'll give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't, I would like to get back up over 200 reviews. The first iteration of The Righteous Brick had like 206 ratings. This We are stuck at like 182 right now. So um, there, if you don't have the money but you still want to do something to support the show or me, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts would be appreciated. So, uh, you know, as my mom, I'll end with a quote that my mom sent me via text. We were, it was a three-way text with my mom, my brother, and me. And it was talking about, like, breakfast or something. And she said, okay, we'll have a good day, guys. And then her last sentence of the, okay, we'll have a good day was, too bad Thomas's mother didn't terminate him. And on that note, guys, hopefully you stuck around for that Jerry Springer's final thought. But have a great week. Stay healthy, stay safe, and I will see you next Tuesday.